Is the life that you're living now as good as it gets? Are you thriving or are you settling? And if you are thriving, are you doing so at the cost of others? In this conversation, I'm speaking with Sam Feeney, the author of Why Aren't You Thriving? In this conversation, Sam invites dads on an inward journey to see how much our actions, our thoughts, our values, our beliefs are reflected in the ways that we raise our kids and lead our families. Sam Feeney is a guy who loves to thrive, but he will share how that hasn't always been the case and how he had to make some really difficult decisions to step out and thrive for his family. As fathers, we set the path to where we lead our children, and we set the path of where we lead our families, and Sam's going to share exactly how you can do that. You know, with learning comes mistakes, trials, and errors, and fallbacks that should be normalized more than judged because fatherhood is a journey to growth, not a journey to perfection. It's time to thrive. My conversation with Sam Feeney starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the DMD podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I am your host, and I'm excited for you to hear this conversation with our guest today, Sam Feeney. Sam is a husband. He is a father of five amazing kids. He is the founder and host of the Made to Thrive podcast. He's also the author of the new book, Why Aren't You Thriving? And Sam is going to answer that question or get to that question today in our conversation. Sam is going to share exactly what it means to thrive. Thrive as a father, as a business leader, as a member in your community. Because Sam knows that men are struggling right now. Struggling with stepping into thriving relationships. And why those relationships will be key in helping you, the listener, thrive in your life. Sam is going to give you actionable steps that you can take right now to improve your relationships relationships with your children, relationships with coworkers, with your spouse, so that you can step up and become a dad making a difference. A dad making a difference in his family, in his business, and in his community. If you're listening to this and you're new here, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. If you're listening to this and you are returning, listening to another amazing episode, thank you. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that we're bringing you value and speaking to you in your life. My ask is this. That if you listen to this conversation and this conversation brings you value in any way, please share it with someone you know. That's how we're going to get traction. That's how we're going to impact the lives of more men and more families is by them hearing this podcast. Shout us out on social media at Dad's Making a Difference. Send me your questions. Send me your thoughts. But of course, please subscribe because I'd hate for you to miss out on an upcoming episode. And leave a review and rate the podcast five stars. 
because that's another way that we're going to be able to get traction. Now, without further delay, I'm super excited for our guest today. I'm looking at him right now, Sam Feeney. Here we go. My conversation with Sam Feeney starts now. Sam, welcome to the DMD podcast, brother. Thanks, Cam. I'm excited to be here, man. This is, yeah. a, this is the right place for me to hang out. It's so good to see you, uh, Sam. I appreciate you. I appreciate the message that you have. Sam is the host of the made to thrive podcast. And I've had the honor of being a guest on his podcast. And I'm so happy and honored once again, to have you come on the dad's making a difference podcast and to dive into what you're passionate about. You know, Sam, you are so passionate about empowering others to live a more fulfilled life. And you have seven areas in which you do that, but really a fulfilled life where men, women, families can truly thrive. Um, what does it mean to thrive? We're going to go right there. Cause yeah, absolutely. You, know, you have made the thrive. You got a book coming out. So what does it mean to thrive? Yeah. And it's funny too, because we end every podcast with five big questions and you've answered those questions. Uh, yeah. So feel free to link to your own episode and show notes if you want. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but uh, I thought the other day, I was like, you know what? I don't know if I've ever really sat down and answered these, but this is question number three. Uh, what does it mean to thrive? And so I think, I think as much as possible, it is full integration without, with, with as much I'll say ownership as you want, right? There's so I'll say like, there's some stuff that you're like, like, I just don't care enough about this part. <laughs> you know, like Clayton Christensen talks about in his book, how will you measure your life? What, what are you going to outsource and what are you not? You got it. All right. There you, we, we have some Amazing. similar books. Oh Amazing. my word. That's every time I talk about it, like I need to read that one again. Uh, but then the integration, and that's what really what I was looking for when I started made to thrive was realizing that probably people are doing pretty well in maybe two or three of the areas, but they, they're doing it at the cost of the others. Mm. Um, and that's why I had you on because fitness is by far my worst area. <laughs> so yeah. health and fitness. So I was like, I got to get Cam on here. So he can, he can, he can school my, my listeners on, uh, on what they need to be doing to fight the dad bod. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it being on. And, you know, while, you know, my background, yeah, you meant brought it up. You know, my background is coaching men in fitness. And then I have mm -hmm. leadership coaching, which I do as well. And the reason dad's making a difference came to be because like you, I realized there's so much more to being a dad mm -hmm. that can make a difference in his family, yeah. in his business, in his community. And so I wanted to step beyond that. And so with you, where does your passion come from? Where did this passion for helping people thrive come from? Yeah, it's funny. It, uh, I remember pretty vividly, it's got to be more than 10 years ago. My wife came to me and she said, I don't mean anything by this, but is this as good as it gets? And, and she said, the only reason I ask, like, like kind of where we were in our life, like, we'd been married about five years and we had a nice house, had a good job. She stayed at home with our first kid. She just said, I thought it was going to take longer. Like I thought it was going to be harder <laughs> to get to the good enough level. And that kind of got us on a, a, not a, you know, not a super intense or super intentional journey, but a journey nonetheless of trying to figure out there's got to be a higher level to play at because, uh, 
one of my friends and a guy I got my life coach certification from, his name's Mitch Matthews. He's a phenomenal guy. Uh, he loves talking dad stuff. If you can chat to him sometime, but, um, he talks about the idea of the comparison trap and he talks about it very often from this idea of when I look up, you know, I'm comparing my worst to your best and, you know, I'm intimidated and whole thing, but I think there's another side of the comparison trap that, that actually can really be more sneaky. And it's when we look down and think, you know, I'm not doing that bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like my, my, one of my sons who is just more emotional, uh, will give me probably once a week that I'm the worst dad ever. <laughs> like, all right, fine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you, like, and you but, laugh it off. This is the, I totally, because I literally know, like just if you use the Hippocratic oath of do no harm, I'm way ahead of a lot of people who have the, the bar for dads has been lowered dramatically in the last few decades. Right. So I'm okay, but I don't want to be just okay. And one of the things I fight is in, in the relationships part is this idea that I'm, I'm every day by my example, creating my legacy for my kids mm-hmm. that will only be realized decades down the road. And I can't go back on my deathbed as many dads will try to do and try to pass on some wisdom or make things right or whatever, like that ship sailed, buddy. So I'm, I'm intentional about being, being intentional. I'm actually right now with my small group reading the intentional father by John Tyson, which I highly recommend, uh, just about it's, it's largely dads and sons, but I have four of those. So, uh, it's, it's largely that intentionality of, what am I going to leave behind and getting really, really clear on that? And maybe it's going to be books I've written or, you know, hopefully some, some impact I've had, but it's largely going to be my five kids mm-hmm. and you know, what, what we've done together and the examples, what they've learned about life through me. So that, that keeps me moving. I'm going to circle back to something you said that I think is very powerful. And I want to dig more into with our conversation today. I was going to, you ask a question uh, right away on your podcast. Why aren't men thriving? And I was going to ask you that question, but I kind of want to tie it into this. And so feel free to answer that. But you mentioned how the bar for fatherhood has been drastically lowered. So when you look at how fatherhood is portrayed in media, how it's portrayed in culture, in um, society's stance on fatherhood right now, being a dad, what it means to be a dad. Uh, why do you feel that it's been lowered and, and why aren't men thriving? I'll take the second part first and say, uh, I think one of the, one of the biggest reasons why, as our friend Aaron Walker says, uh, is that isolation is the enemy of excellence. And it is really, really easy to be isolated self-isolated, uh, in our culture today. Um, and that I think is allowing an erosion of, of the impact of fatherhood. Um, and in that isolation. So I, I, I initially think about that as like neighbor to neighbor, like I have some friends on my block who, you know, we're, we're definitely friendly, right. But like, it's more like, wave as they drive by or, you know, check in on, Hey, I know you had this big thing going. I hope that went well, like via text or whatever. So that, that is an isolation that, that started to happen in particular in suburbia, let's say in the eighties and nineties and on to today. But now you have in the home isolation of parents and kids largely due, due to over busyness and 
sitting on your phone where we're separating from each other in our very own residence. Uh, and so anyway, that's, that's probably one of those reasons of why, why men aren't thriving because they're not digging in and being present. And I'm just talking about people other than you and me. I know that you and I have this figured out. We're we're fine, yeah. which is why we're on the podcast right now. Yeah, exactly. It's all, all figured right. out. That's that's it. We, that's I, it. If you're if this you're was going to be this. called, I've got it all figured out with Cam Hall and Sam, but that was taken. Yeah, and if you're watching this right now on YouTube, you see that our backgrounds are almost similar. Yes. For guys who have it all figured out, we sure read a lot of books to figure it out. Hey? That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> what you don't see, I, I don't see on yours, Cam, is the number one dad trophy. So well, you have it. I can't be that. I know you've got That's what I'm saying. You've got to step up your game a little bit. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and so, and then the other part about the, why the, the bar has been lowered so much is I think it's because in intentional or unintentional ways, um, I think fatherhood has just been kind of under attack. Hmm. And again, so this isn't like conspiracy theorists. This isn't like, but it's just, you just look at it as it erodes. And especially the, the way that media and social media dominates our lives. Um, I know this was a big concern early. Like you get this juxtaposition of father knows best and Homer Simpson, you know, the fifties yeah. to the nineties and these yeah. different things. And well, and it actually is actually, I would say it's actually a lag indicator for the fact that when dad started to disconnect those those kids went to hollywood and started writing right it's not like they weren't doing it for a gag it was they just didn't have the dad right and so maybe that's that's a a vietnam era generation and it certainly would have been where my dad was coming through out of world war ii um you know like not everything about the greatest generation was amazing all the time you know we've got vietnam that whole generation following behind and uh I just think, I mean, in some ways it's, as I said, a lag indicator of where fatherhood had already started to depart. Mm. Um, and then when you, two things, when you, when the norm is low, it's uninspirational. So you're like, why bother engaging? And the other part of it is you don't know you're being attacked. You don't know to defend yourself. Right. And so those two things, I think interplay to be able to kind of get to the state of fatherhood that that low bar we have today. Amazing. And I do want to clarify for everybody listening. No, Sam and I absolutely do not have this figured out. But when we're discussing this, I think the process of discussing this is very valuable. And I think about the men who are listening to this conversation right now, who are processing through, you know, what it means to be a dad, you know, maybe where their belief, what fatherhood stood for, or their vision of fatherhood came from. And they're processing through that right now. But Sam, would you would you take a moment and just share, you know, where does your vision of fatherhood come from? I think it's a, it's twofold. One of them is a little bit of a the effect that I wanted to have. So when I think about my kids growing up and becoming men and woman, I guess because there's only one of them, <laughs> only one daughter. Uh, the things, uh, and this actually comes right out of that Tyson book, the intentional father is like, what do I want them to know, believe, do, and have. Hmm. And re so why you and I read a lot is because we don't have it all figured out. And so you hear, man, that's, I hadn't thought about this before in this way. And so to borrow from Tyson is that the things I want them to have have to be things that I've given them. And therefore I have to get, I have to have them. I can't hmm. give them what, oh, wow. what I'd like. I remember a, a 
parroting class, uh, just a video class with Les and Leslie Parrot. And they said, you know, what are all the attributes you want to have in your kids? And they would write them all down. Da, 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 da. All right, cool. Now go do those. I'm like, ah, oh, dang. Yeah. I was hoping I could just hand it to them. Like, hey, go do this list. But I've got to be them to, to my kids. Yeah. And uh, that, so that's that. It's the, it's the what can I live out is probably that first foundational model. Amazing. So, you know, I like that. If I want my children to grow in this area, if I want them to have this, I need to have this. You know, that's you're you're speaking of that, and I'm you know, thinking to myself, I'm like, man, like, what am I missing? You know, what am I missing right now that my kids need that maybe I expect for them? Maybe it's maybe it's not an expectation I have for them, but maybe it's just a dream or a vision I have for their lives, mm-hmm. and yet. What am I doing to make that come true? What am I doing to help them fulfill that? Um, what would you say to the guys who are listening to this right now who may have heard you say that and discounted themselves because they don't have what they want their yeah. kids to have? What would you say to those guys? I will say that that all there is something that we can tangibly give to our kids as much as you can, you know, tangibly give courage, but uh as far as the example, but the other part of that, they, the second thing that the kids really need is that they need uh, a model of support. And this is something that's really, really important. And really, I think if you see how parenting has changed, at least for some people over the last generation or so, like we've got, we've got a, a desire as parents to make sure everything turns out all right for our kids. Right. So we've got like the helicopter generation has become the snowplow generation. I call it the Zamboni parenting. (laughs) That's a little nod to you. Uh, but, uh, you've got, you've got this idea of like, I am so outcome. I'm so outcome dependent that my parenting will be shown in in outcomes. But one thing that I've coached parents through is there's going to be a point in time around when your kid's 25, when they're going to look back and either say, my parents were right. In a, in, a, in a bit of a, you know, yeah, like they, they kind of owe me, I told me, told you so, or my parents supported me, mm. even though they knew this is kind of like a knucklehead thing. So yeah, that's hard for parents now because we are, we, we can be in very much an outcome dependent relationship with our kids, but if we're process dependent and we're saying, Hey, I'm just like, like, God just put me in your life to be a guide. I don't know all the answers either, but as we're walking through this, I'm going to point out, Hey, those bushes over there, those berries are poisonous. Go nuts. If you want to eat them, go for it. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm at least going to be around and you're going to go try something out come back and tell me how it went. And we can kind of work through that together because the goal is to have, I, I was, the challenge I always give myself is am I raising kids or am I raising adults? Mm. Because that helps me reframe how I'm interacting with this kid right now. Like, am I teaching them anything or am I just getting them to the outcome that's most convenient for me? Love it. Love it. Now, you mentioned or alluded to it. You and your wife, Marita, are not alone in your journey. You have five children. Uh, I... I admire that. I shudder at it a little bit. You know, Kim and I talk about this. We have two. And yeah. I'm like, could you imagine being outnumbered? <laughs> but you are outnumbered. But, you know, as a father of five, what have you learned personally? What have you mm-hmm. learned lately about yourself that has helped you to become 
a stronger husband, father, and you're an entrepreneur and, and, and a book writer and author. Like, what have you learned lately that has helped you grow in those areas? Sure. I, I think one of the, the biggest things I alluded to earlier about the idea of example is that there's a point in time when your kid's BS meter spikes and they say, is my dad, does my dad actually believe the stuff he's telling me or is he full of junk? Mm-hmm. And my oldest is 12. And, uh, this past year has been, uh, leaving my job. Uh, you, I used to share <laughs> your profession <laughs> as an educator, um, and leaving my job to embark on something that I, I wasn't really talking about not being outcome dependent. I really wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I knew I, that I couldn't say to my kids, you know, pursue your calling or pursue, you know, the, the work that, that makes you come alive. And they turn around and say, well, why aren't you? And not very little that follows in terms of my credibility would be there. And it's like, I, I, I've got to make this move now. And so that's, that's what I've been learning is I've got to put feet to the stuff I'm talking about because my goal is to extend my credibility in my kids' lives as long as possible. I appreciate you sharing, you know, some self-reflection and being, you know, transparent. It's always valuable. And there's guys listen to that that appreciate that. Uh, so thanks sharing. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You know, we've talked about a lot of books and a lot of authors. You think this is some type of publisher. We are not sponsored by any publishers, by the way. No, we're, we're open talking. to it, we are but both we open aren't. To it, but we're not. But I, we have both uh, are familiar with a book by uh, Mike Kim where he talks about mm-hmm. you are the brand. He asks yeah. Sam questions and a mutual friend of ours, uh, Paul said, you need to ask Sam these because he is, he's got some good answers. So I'm going to ask you a couple of those questions. The first one, and if you're listening, excuse my spicy language, but uh, you know, it, what pisses you off? Like what makes you mad? I'm going, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to tell you what this is. Cause this is actually, um, this is from my notes from that event is where we got to hear. Cause I'd read the book before. I was so grateful um, to that Mike came and talked because I'd read those questions, but they did not resonate for some reason in the way that hearing them live did. Yeah. They're so good. So uh, what pisses me off is to see men who are dissatisfied with their work, disengaged at home and disconnected from church. Probably their faith actually is what I really mean. I don't really care about the building. Mm-hmm. So that there's so much for me right now that I'm, I'm keying in on as how much our careers pervade our lives and we put up with careers we hate, not realizing how much it bleeds into everything else that we're doing and including that disengagement at home. Yeah. And you know, that leads into another question. This is what breaks your heart. Yep. So that one, I, and this is again, a lot right where I wrote down in the moment to see kids who are desperate for an example and love from their father, get nothing relevant because their dads have nothing to give. Whoa. Okay. You need to expand on that. Yeah. There's something in this. And one of the things I'll, I'll refer to it again, the intentional father, cause it's a good book, but he talks about one of the, one of the plights of our generation is of our kids generation now is self-initiation. And I would actually argue that it's, it's pure initiation that is most problematic because I'm fine. If my kid initiates himself, I'm 
less okay with, I mean, I'm going to initiate my kid, but like the <laughs> second best thing is he figures it out himself. Yeah. The third and the worst is his peers initiate him. Right. So this is why actually in August I'm starting to homeschool him during his middle school years. Uh, and that's another part of this whole, like capturing where we are in life and all this other stuff we're doing. So, but I, kids are looking up to their dads for an example, and they, they want that love and, you know, we're, we're wired for it. And so, but I, but again, and maybe this is career, maybe it's not, but I see so many, like, I just sit, like, if I sit in the back of my church and I can look at different families and I just see this, like a lack of doing life together, a lack of engagement. And, and there's a lot of societal reasons for that and everything else, but it doesn't just because there are reasons for it doesn't mean it's impossible to do something about, <laughs> which is why I was so excited about coming on this podcast. It was like, yeah. yes, we can make a difference yeah. if you want to. And then if you go find, figure out how to, um, but that, that disengagement says to a kid, you know, if my dad doesn't I mean, maybe he's not emotionally present, maybe he's just not physically present. Maybe he doesn't know in my brooding standoffish way. I actually want him to come and tackle me and hug me. And like, you know, um, the kid will say, okay, then I guess I'm going to go elsewhere. Like I'm, I'm an, I'm an attention seeking missile. <laughs> so yes, they are. if I'm not getting it here, I'm going to go somewhere else. Why you said the L word. And I think it scares so many men to say it. Why is love mm -hmm. so hard for men to address either a lack of it or mm -hmm. to show it to, you know, when you're, when your son or your daughter is looking at you for love and what mm -hmm. does love mean? Mm -hmm. It just got me thinking like how many men feel uncomfortable saying, I love you to their kids, to kissing a son on the cheek or the forehead, to giving a hug in public where I've spoken with men who want to do these things, but they just like, ah, like it's like this, this barrier they can't get through. Why are men struggling with love? I think it's because uh, they they see it as soft mm. instead of seeing it as a source of power. And one of my favorite movie lines, the movie is okay. One of my favorite movie lines is from is from uh, Punch Drunk Love. Uh, uh, it stars Adam Sandler, uh, one of his uh, early non comedic roles. That's very near the end of the movie. And he says, I have a love, I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. And it, it's just really a, a terrible PR play for love <laughs> that it's seen as soft, uh, or seen only as romantic. Hmm. And, uh, one of my next reads is CS Lewis's the four loves. I have not finished it, but I want just be, to be able to figure out where, where are we seeing love in ourselves and uh, where can we see love to be utilized and, and to be expressed in different ways. And um, I don't know, I, I would say most dads are going to give you a, a some sort of answer about, um, you know, not wanting to make their son feel uncomfortable or something like that, but it has nothing to do with that at all. It's just, they don't know how to, they don't know how to handle it and they don't know how to, to engage. And, 
uh, I think of the the five love languages by Gary Chapman, and he, it, one of those is physical touch. And if you look, if you read the five love languages for kids, it says very very late in a kid's adolescence or a kid's development do they start to really define one as their dominant love language when because early on it's all of them it's all five you know and that's you know i'm reminded i have three-year-old twins so i'm reminded the other day we get a chance to wrestle i'm like man i haven't wrestled my with my older kids in so long but they would love that like that's if we go to the pool they have this game that we usually end with because i get hurt where all five of them try to bring me down in the pool and uh so there's still that want that desire for that physical engagement. And it's one of the easiest ways that we can express love to our kids. Uh, and just give them a hug in the morning, like start that day with that physical contact. And it is, it's so powerful and it doesn't really cost anything. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to get the right words, right? right. Just give them a hug. And then you're like, all right, now we go, no, we go about our day, but we don't, we don't engage. And I, I don't know if that's self-protection or some sort of projected, well, maybe they don't want to, well, who gives a rip? They're your right. kids. Right. And you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. You know, more hugs just means easier hugs to give. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just uh, had a privilege of having a conversation with Evan money. And he said, we want to raise daughters that when you know, they yes. get to 15, 16, and I had mentioned, you know, 15, 16, that they would come, come to you when they need you for a hug. Because I had, you know, loosely said in our conversation, you know, my daughter's seven, uh, daughter's 10 and my son's seven. And I don't want them to get to like 15, 16. And I'm going to give that a hug. So I take advantage of that. I like, so why are you framing it that way? <laughs> and I just, right. you know, just yep. let's create that in yep. our house right now. Now, I, I don't want the guys who are listening to this, to this to think we're just dumping on fathers and dumping on fatherhood right now. You know, sometimes in conversation, it's easy to say, here's where things are lacking or here's where guys are struggling. I think that's important for us to identify. But let's shift gears and let's talk about, okay, we, we know that men are struggling. A guy's listening to this saying, yeah, okay, Cam, Sam, I get it. Like, this is a tough job and it is a tough job. I think this is a, isn't a, only a 25 minute show where we yeah. just leave you feeling worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was like, see you next time. Well, yeah, have a good one. A chance. Yeah. But <laughs> this is don't blow it with Cam Hall. So <laughs> what, what steps can men, men take and what have you seen with the men that you've been working with uh, that they can take to step up in their roles as fathers, some actionable things that they can do yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, and one thing I want to say about that real quick, like when you, if it feels like a dumping and that's, I think a lot of times what, people either intend or, or would like to have as some sort of an effect is like, we don't need dads or whatever. And so I, I thought about this a, a while ago and I see it everywhere. And it's when it, every time you have it, you have a, a blame worthy situation, which today's day and age is like everything, right? So like the fruit I got at the store, someone must hate me. All right. Like it's not good. Some, somebody must, must be out to get me, but anytime you have a blame worthy situation, you also have a responsibility situation. So it's like, okay, I can blame this or I can, I, I can have, take the responsibility to fix it. And one thing dads don't see, I don't, I don't think often enough is on the high side of the responsibility is actually opportunity. Oh yeah. Because I'm like, wait, this is an opportunity for me to step in, right? Like, yes, I can take responsibility for it. And I'm a man, I'll put this on my shoulders, blah, blah, blah. You know, basically just like load my plate more, but an opportunity says, Hey, no one else is taking care of this. I can actually come in and and really make this better and really tailor this the way I want to. And so I think 
even having that, that attitude about it and, and being able to say that even if there's a little bit that I can affect in the situation, it means I can affect the situation. Mm-hmm. And so it's an invitation to dads first and foremost, to look around and say, you know, if what, what around me, would I like to see better how, and then really just, just reverse engineering that. Like anytime I, I work with somebody to set goals, it is, you know, it's this, I want to climb Everest. Awesome. Let's find the closest rock climbing gym. Like, let's do the smallest possible thing you could do right now. And I think for dads too, like we are playing as Simon Sinek says, the infinite game. Like we are, we're, we're in this for the long haul. And so don't think that one, you can, or two, you have to make this different (laughs) or better tomorrow. Uh, But you can begin that journey. You can string together tiny wins um, of, all right, I'm, I'm doing 21 days of unreciprocated hugs. Okay. I, I, I don't mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it for my kid. I'm doing it for me because I know I want to be a better dad. Right. So what are the, what's the baby step smallest thing you could do right now to be able to make a change and effect in that way. And it, it may be to do it. It may be to stop doing mm-hmm. right. There may be something about, you know what, like we're not having phones at the dinner table. Right. And why, why? Cause I wanted to torture you guys with, with being present. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so that's one of the tangible things I think people do can do is recognize ownership and agency and be able to say, I'm going to do the smallest possible thing and know that that's a win. Love it. Such a good tip. And so if you're listening to this, implement that. Yes. What's it going to be next seven days, you know, find one thing that you can implement next seven days. And as I asked you that I'm trying to process through. I'm like, Oh no, if Sam flips this on me, what am I going to say? But uh, <laughs> I thought about this cause I had the pleasure of writing the questions before we spoke. And there I said, you know what, what I find too with fathers is we want to engage. Um, but sometimes we do it in a way that we think is efficient, not as mm. effective as it needs mm-hmm. to be. And so another thing, maybe it's questioning. This is what I need to work on. Mm, it's questioning good. and not asking yes and no questions at the dinner table. And you just mentioned dinner and yeah, dinner is yeah. a time for us to reflect on our day. But what was the most exciting part of your day? I actually mm. will ask both kids for what was the hardest part of your day? And nice. I ask it like that with enthusiasm mm-hmm. because I love seeing them grow. Mm-hmm. And so my encouragement and what I will commit to is uh, asking questions that aren't yes and no answers, because yeah. it gives you that opportunity to connect a little bit deeper with your kids too. Yeah. And one story from uh, the power of moments, which I think you might be reading as well yeah. uh, of um, the Spanx founder, Sarah Blakely, uh, her dad that would ask every once a week at the dinner table, what did you fail at this week? And right. And he's inviting permission to fail. Like the, what you ask about in terms of like your questions even will set expectation for that. And, you know, like, Hey, I'll go first. Right. Anytime you you can give your kids the gift of going first and like normalize, Hey, we make mistakes. Guess what I found a way to do it better. Yeah. That's great. So, you know, as you continue to grow as a dad, I asked you what you were excited about and what you'd learned lately. Uh, But what are you excited about? in the future? Like what has you pumped up right now? What are you looking forward to? What's coming up in your life and life of your family? 
Yeah, definitely. It's, it's homeschooling my oldest for the next two years. Uh, I'm really excited about this. He, uh, finished is finishing up sixth grade, uh, which our local elementary school, uh, has him go to the middle school for the next two years. And for a number of reasons, uh, some of which we've already talked about, like he still likes to talk to me. Like he's still right. <laughs> I don't know why I have that expectation of money, but I do. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I am looking forward to homeschooling him for the next two years, largely because I really have no idea how it's going to go. And my home, my homeschool friends, we have some friends of ours who homeschool like, well, which curriculum are you going to use? Uh, so like, those are details. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, the one at hand on the particular, like, this is not going to be really clearly thought out, but I know what he's good at. I know what I'm good at. And we have the interwebs. So I'm pretty sure we're going to figure it out. <laughs> we're going to be okay, but we're going to get a ton of hangout time. Yeah. I look forward to hearing about it. You know, we're, we're connected. So, you know, that journey always intrigues me Yeah, uh, when, when fathers take that, take that on and mothers take that on as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. My wife wants no part of it. So she's like, if you want to do it, you got to do it. Like, that's great. I'm on it. Here we go. I'm on it. Good for you. This could be a terrible, terrible idea, Cam, but that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. You know, and you're going to grow through it, right? You will yep, grow yep. through it. You yeah. and oh, your yeah. son will grow through it. So I'm excited for you, Sam. You know, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking time today to Absolutely. have this conversation. If someone's listening to this right now and they want to reach out to you or connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, just go to madetothrive.coach and uh, you can find uh, my conversation with Cam and a bunch of other guys. Uh, at uh, Made to Thrive, uh, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Excellent. Thank you, Sam. I know we are recording this on a Friday and I wish you and your family a wonderful weekend and uh, look forward to connecting soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.